You're listening to Rocket Night. Hi everyone, this is Andrea from Rock at Night magazine, and I have with me the Penny Surfs. Hi guys, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Penny's doing great. Yeah, I uh, this is Mikey, I sing and play guitar, and then uh, uh, this is Kyle, I play drums in the band. And who are we missing? We're missing Stu, our keyboard player, and Aiden, our bass player. He, Aiden's in Iowa, having Thanksgiving with his family. <laughs> somewhere in California doing the same thing. Well, yeah. But talking about it being much cooler because it's in California. Right. Thank you for, so much for taking the time and talking uh, with us, especially during this busy time. It's uh, the day before Thanksgiving. It's 7 o'clock at night, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Our, our schedules are crazy in the music business. But uh, we're going to try to make it work. Um, oh, well, you know what they say today is what, Blackout Wednesday or whatever, the college birthday. <laughs> so we're playing, we're playing along. Um, well, let's talk about your album, it, which has been out for almost a year already. It's called Politics in the Time of Heroin. First of all, um, the title, how did you guys come up with that title? Um, I think it was sort of influenced on a, a I think it was Lenny Bruce, uh, like how to talk dirty and influence people, which was a, a play on words for, from another book, which I can't remember right now because my brain's crazy from falling out. Like, I have short-term, short-term memory now, but um, we were, like, politics at the time. Apparently, we wanted to be, like, a title that symbolized uh, what was happening for us. And, you know, like, in the U.S., it's, like, opiates just given to everybody. And the political atmosphere is just uh, pretty fucking bonkers, if you ask me. Um, yeah, I mean, the time that we were, uh, the time that we were putting this record together and finishing it up, it was, you know, just just before Trump was elected and, uh, you know, it was kind of like, just sort of felt like a, a chaotic time in, in this country. I mean, as it always does, really, but, um, you know, having, having Trump um, running for presidency uh, just seemed absolutely insane. So we wanted to, like, touch on, like, how, you know, you know, pretty cynical, but like, uh, but realistic. The, the real, like, the age of the Bronze Age, you know, the Stone Age. Whereas, like, what is the age of like people of our generations, like, spanning from you know mid thirties to you know college freshmen or something? And we're like, what is the age? It's like the age of just a political circus in the time of everyone being high on opiates. Yes, it was. Uh, it. It's uh, it was it's such a crazy time, and I think um, for us that go through, you know, us music critics, it, when we heard your album, and first of all, the title just caught our attention, and we were like, "What's this? We have to listen to this." And once we heard uh, the songs and we heard the lyrics, I mean, going by just something as simple as 
an album title that is so interesting and catchy. Um, listening to a lot of the songs, the words are just, it's, it's a work of art. Uh, let's just put it that way. And uh, it just caught our attention. And I would like to go into maybe some detail into some of the songs, some of my favorite songs uh, that I like in the album. And I think um, might have been, might be your first single, um, Lonely Boy. Was that yeah, your, the, the, was that the title first? Track. That's the title you know, the track. Um, what is Lonely Boy about? Um, it started out as a couple different things. Like my son Holden, um, aptly named, was like going through a weird time. Like he, it always seemed like he's like distant, sort of, you know, pro protester kind of. I mean, for a young kid, so I was like feeling all sensitive as a dad, and then I sort of kind of ate that whole story up into my own sort of like depression type of stuff coming around in what probably November and every time the winter happens I get really weird with my brain and, and like I feel like the whole world's messed up because it's like dark all the time and then tired all the time and so I just get super depressed and I was just like I kind of wanted to make a song that would like count everyone like we're not nearly as, as talented as the Sydney of the Beatles by far or anything like that, but we're heavily influenced by John Lennon and and stuff like that. Um, so I wanted to do kind of like a counter song about, you know, the Beatles are always like, love is all you need. Like, gee, like I, can't, I don't even, like I'm so mad about the everything around me and so cynical these days that like I just don't want anything. Like, just like... <laughs> I like a picture like this lonely cartoon with like a, like a, I, I, my umbrella has holes in it. It's always the clouds. It's like that. It's like a commercial for like depression on TV or something. It's like a little cartoon walking and it, the rain cloud just follows their head. I sort of feel like that. Um, serious and joking. Like it's like I, you know, I make comedy of it because it's like whatever. You know, I'm just a human anyway. It's like not that. It's important, but it's also not important. You know, this has. Right. It has its ups and downs. So basically, that was sort of just like picturing me walking alone on a street that goes nowhere. But just sort of like the, what it was the vision of the course of my life, really. Yeah, and, and Mike, I mean, Mike writes the lyrics. I mean, they're, it's, it's his thing. And, um, but like for me, this song, what I what I take from it um, and what I feel when I, I listen to it is, you know, we spend. Um, a lot of time away from home and away from our families and Mike and I are the only ones in our band that actually have um, we have kids of our own and um, so you know when I just listening to the so lonely boy to me I get out of it just you know the feeling of, of missing you know missing home and missing you know knowing that our family is there without us and there's just that you know that, that sense of, of, of longing for for um, for our family members basically so I, I didn't write the lyrics, but that's what I I feel a lot from this song. And you guys are nope. you guys are on you guys are on the road a lot because um, you tour, but with other bands because you guys are from what I hear, you guys are um, music texts, right? For for other bands. Yeah, currently we're this we're text like Kyle and I have worked together since 2011 with. Uh, ranged, everyone ranging from Regina Spector, The National, Sufjan Stevens, The Shins, uh, 
Harry Shearer, best known as Derek Smalls of uh, Spinal Tap. Bob Weir. Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead. And we've worked all these gigs together, so we've been, we pretty much, Kyle and I have never been apart since 2011. Wow. Comes up with some interesting dynamics and wow. <laughs> trying to make it in the right song. Wow. Which is, um... And now, I force myself up here and I'm having Thanksgiving with him family, <laughs> so no, hashtag no breaks. <laughs> Which is why your album is so good, uh, technically wise, because you guys absolutely know what you're doing and every every song in this album is so perfect and the way it's just put together is phenomenal um i just can't <laughs> it's just such a, a good album I, and uh, another song that i like which i'm kind of afraid to ask what it's about because it's one of my favorite songs in the album it's called Susie turned yellow yesterday oh yeah well that is like I mean, so coming from Iowa, this goes into this politics thing, and like, we're like, we, you know, we've all, even me, you know, we're all sort of narcissistically, we feel like we've evolved a little bit further than probably we really have if you like, if we were looking at the way society functions and everything from a, from a looking glass or something, like I, I feel like we're closer to, I mean, we haven't evolved as far as we think we're like, you know, spacemen, like, all meta and existential and stuff, but, you know, like, in Iowa, it's like, there, you know, there's all, you've probably heard in the news, like, the last year or so, the, the young woman from Iowa City was abducted and then murdered, yeah, jogging, and uh, yeah. a lot of problems with, you know, women feeling like they can't even, and girls, probably even more so girls, young, young women or girls, just like, you can't, you have to like be safe, try to be think safe going through a park or something. So this was sort of a dark take on that, more like almost like a like a Stephen King version of like what happens in the course of a young girl's life if everything goes bad, you know. Oh. Like she's just like yeah. can't hang on anymore, like locked in the closet <laughs> just had enough and then yeah. uses uses heroin to get out and and eventually, you know, meets meets uh, an untimely fate, but yeah. but for the song, which is, you know, her passing away in the song is really closure for her because everything was torture wow. for life. So it's, for me, it was just I wanted to touch on how just messed up things still are in the world with wow. human dynamics. Things. Well, I'm kind of afraid to ask what the other songs about. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's like I said, um, this album is, uh, for those who have not heard, it's it's lyrically wise. It's a, it's a great album, and uh, it's very, it's abstract. Um, so I don't know whether it's something uh, that's, that's real or not. It's almost like a story, or if it's something that's, it's, so it's, I was, just, it's interesting to know what each song is about, because the titles themselves are just, you know, you kind of want to know more about him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, some of the things are plays on real life, definitely from me growing up. And, you know, growing up in rural Rock Island County, Illinois, you know, being called the, you know, faggot all the time. And I'm like, for no, just I guess back in the 90s or whatever, I guess it was still not completely ridiculous to say, you know, whatever, like, there's weird things like that, just being grown, raised in a rural setting. Okay. 
which is why I moved west as soon as as soon as I possibly could legally. So, is, does that have anything to do with the song "Religious Republican of Rock Island County"? <laughs> it, it has a little bit. It, it, that song is like sometimes like when I listen to people. This this song was written around the election time, and it was just I was so tired of hearing people like just rationalize certain thoughts and things that like talking about you know immigration and, and saying basic you know inalienable rights of being a citizen or being welcomed into the United States um, just hearing people's versions of what they read on the news or read on Facebook or the internet and then it just turned into this cognitive dissonance of just distortion really even on both sides of just like I just was like, I've had enough. Like, I'm just going to make, like, an Americana song with basically just guitar and just tell everyone to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And the, the divide between the two sides is so strong now that, you know, there's, no, there's like, no give or take between the two sides. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to sit down at a bar and even strike up a conversation politically with because if someone is on the other side that you're speaking with, um, you know, it's, Almost basically, a bar fight is about to break out. Yeah. People just aren't willing to, you know, discuss and try to relate or try to at least, you know, communicate one's feelings back and forth politically. Like it, it's. Uh, I think this song quite sad. This song's probably the most realistic of my. Like I was, I was an altar boy when I was little. Like my family is all Catholic. Crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and like. And just being surrounded by the, like, in, when I was, say, probably in the 90s, you know, all the, even, like, the Trump voters were all basically Democrats back then because you were, all the Midwestern people were taught to vote Democrat, you know, to preserve unions and, and to preserve the working man and everything, which I think is a great concept, yeah. but just whatever they did with, um, with advertising and collective conscious with Donald Trump it's just that flipped all those people and so I was just like oh my god I'm just surrounded by these people that are like you know can I still wear my nudie jeans walking through Iowa and you know even if I'm like an ugly dude with a beard and I have to ask myself that like I just feel terrible for like a 16 year old girl that has to walk down the same street or an African American man that has to walk down the street and it's, it's just a realistic thing that, that everyone's gonna have to approach and try to figure it out and I, in, the, in the songs I usually end up by the second verse especially in this one I usually end up just blaming myself and get very self self-inflicting and sad on the songs you know like the, maybe I should have been aborted you know maybe I was better off born a mouse things like that just because I don't know how to deal with the issues because I got my own you know I got my own mental yeah, problems sometimes, sometimes it just feels like there isn't any hope very nice. One one last song I would like to touch base on, and that's "Ode to Franklin D. Roosevelt." That's a fun one. I, mean, we, I think this was one of one of the songs, one of the few songs on the record that we actually did as a collective band musically before I approached it um, lyrically. Um, most of the songs are usually written like I'm like just. A lot of drinking beer in my underwear in the kitchen with an acoustic guitar, and then I'll like send Kyle a voice note or hum a drum beat, dude, and be like, "Dude, can you try to 
do something cool like this, and then we'll go from there once my lyrics are already done. But this one was made like we vibed it as a band, and then uh, we were on the political slash opiate train anyway. And, you know, there's always been a big debate about, you know, which presidents are great, which presidents are good. So this one is like, you know, FDR after the, the Depression, you know, revoked all the gold. The revoked the gold standard, I believe. Um, don't fully quote me on this because I'm like, right. I'm like six <laughs> beers deep. But, but I'm trying. I think it's, I'm trying to say executive order. I'm gonna just go out sixty one oh two maybe or something or sixteen oh two something like that. But he basically, you know, to try to pull the country out of depression, the Federal Reserve happened, and all of a sudden, you know, federal banking type situations changed, and. He gets a lot of credit for that, for for changing the you know economy. In, in 1934 is when he passed that, and I um, I just have always and I sat down with um, Regina Spector's keyboard player um, Brad Whiteley, who actually plays piano on um, somebody else on the record. We would always have these debates about presidents because he's a very intelligent uh, human and really good to debate with. And he, he's, he's a liberal, um, like us, um, liberal-minded at the least. And he would always, like, explain, you know, well, the actions of presidents, you don't really you don't really see those consequences for the first, you know, sometimes 8 to 16 years, you know, when people are like, oh, you know, Obama messed up the economy. Well, not technically, you know. I mean, you, eight years later, the economy was, like, was killing it because of policies he set up. And so I think, like, the FDR song is about being careful of, about giving someone such a uh, notab- notable title of being, like, someone who's a savior, you know, a Jesus Christ sort of figure of, like, pulling all of these people, millions of people out of something when it's a collective effort between unions, workers, you know, laborers, doctors, um, bankers, lawyers. Uh, artists, you know, it's, everything has to come together for a country to pull out of something like the Depression and World War One, World War Two, and so forth. I mean, so that was sort of our dedication to, A, our country pulling itself together as much as it is together, and uh, just kind of acknowledging that not everything is what it seems, you know, when you see it on a, uh, you know, the New York Times reel or... Um, uh, you know, any local newspaper, you know, print. It's not always this, it's not always what it is shaped up to be. You did pretty well in history class, eh? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm sure I got the executive order wrong, but I was a good. I, I, I think it's six better than me. That's for sure. <laughs> I do. I just don't pay attention. I I always failed because I my mind wandered to other places. So, <laughs> but it's a good message and it's a. <laughs> But, so it is, it's 6102. Did I say that? I think you might have said that. Uh, so everyone, I don't know if this is, uh, the audio is down or whatever, but make note, if I said 6102, I didn't nail all of my brain power when I fell <laughs> off that long term. Still living in it. Okay. Well, that's that was a, weird. Well, I think that's, um, I don't want to keep you guys any any longer. And uh, just before we go, who's is anyone cooking for Thanksgiving this year, do any of you guys have oh, to go home and cook? 
the dad just made dessert tonight. I made Oreo puffs and I made puppy chow. Yeah. Dual dueling in the kitchen. Double so. dual Midwestern dessert there. Next mix with <laughs> sugar and chocolate, peanut butter, and I made whipped cream with crushed Oreos and pudding. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, doesn't get any better than that. And then my uh, my fiance is attempting her first turkey tomorrow, and Yay. my family is going to help her. And uh, we're borrowing a neighbor's house across the street because they have dual ovens. So we're uh, we're really going for it this year. Right. Yeah. Right. And then immediately back to work, we have to go up and, and work. And we work in Brooklyn for some national tech stuff. We have to repair a bunch of stuff. Um. Very nice. And when are you guys going to go out on tour with We are hoping for, um, we're scheduling now for, a, I believe, a Mar second week in March to go out for three or four weeks, which we have a couple confirmations just waiting on the whole thing to announce it. I'm probably, you know, not fully committal on it, but probably some South by Southwest stuff, the, the typical Texas Texas shows, and um, we're hoping to play New York again because we have a lot of friends in New York, and and it's always a great, great time to hang with all the people we work with on our as as us being musicians instead of just workers. Like we get to catch up with everybody, and they get to see me making making ass of myself. <laughs> they get they get to pretend like they like us. Yeah, that's cool. That's nice. Uh, yeah, and we just we actually just had a. We're, we're upping our game in the uh, uh, recording and writing sessions, um, so we just had a couple weeks of that, and more of that to come. So hopefully, a couple records or EPs this year, uh, a couple months of touring, uh, in and out of uh, the national schedule, and uh, and then we'll probably hit it. We'll probably hit it really hard in 2019. That's that's really the goal for us: is to get as much, get as many shows as possible in the states and in Europe. Very nice. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to uh, talk with Rock at Night. Again, this is yeah, thank uh, you very much. The Penny Serves, and make sure to listen to their album, Politics in a Time of Heroin. Guys, thank you so much, and have a great Thanksgiving. Thank great. you. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank, thank you so you. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Rock at Night.